Welcome to the Nurse and Midwife Support Podcast, Your Health Matters. I'm Mark Aiken, the podcast host. I'm the Stakeholder Engagement Manager with Nurse and Midwife Support, and I'm a registered nurse. Nurse and Midwife Support is the national support service for nurses, midwives, and students. The service is anonymous, confidential, and free, and you can call us anytime you need support. 1-800-667-877 or contact us via the website nmsupport.org.au Welcome to the Nurse and Midwife Support Podcast, Your Health Matters. I begin today by acknowledging the traditional owners of the Kulin Nation, the Wurundjeri people, and wish to acknowledge them as traditional owners of the land that I work on. I would also like to pay my respects to their elders past and present and Aboriginal elders of other communities listening to this podcast. Today on this episode of the Your Health Matters podcast, we are going to discuss financial well-being and its connection to your health and well-being. To do this, we have three guests and I'm delighted to welcome Ben and Steve from Wealth Health Co in Perth and Sophie, a midwife who has sought the advice and support from Ben and Steve at Wealth Health Co and is going to talk a bit about her financial journey. So welcome to you all. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Mark. Great to be on. Great to have you all on board. And I think this is a really important conversation and really looking forward to putting the information out there. Yeah, no, we're yeah, super excited to be on. Just a, a little sort of compliance note to begin with that uh, all this information is sort of uh, general advice. It doesn't take into account any of the listeners' individual objectives or financial situations. So um, they just need to sort of consider the appropriateness of the information provided in, in relation to sort of their situations. Yeah, thanks, Ben. I think that's a really important point. And we'll talk a bit of through the podcast about how you can access financial support and expertise and clearly Ben and Steve provide this service. So they're going to talk a a bit about the service they provide and the work they do at Wealth Health Co. So a bit of background from you, um, Ben and Steve, if that's okay, and your company. Yeah, so at Wealth Health Co sort of aim to help and educate nurses and midwives about how to utilise their money and finances to really live, live a better life. We hear from sort of nurses and midwives that they sort of put their finances on the back burner, so, you know, they're, they're pretty busy caring for others and deal with sort of, you know, juggling, you know, families, work commitments, um, everything that goes, I guess, into a normal life. But making a financial plan, setting goals and accessing advice is really going to assist, you know, them to get clear on where they want to go, where they want to be um, and how to get there. Yeah, I think that's really vital information to know that there's an an intimate link between your health and wellbeing, particularly mental health and your financial health. The Beyond Blue Money and Mental Health report that was released in August 22 states that there is a substantial evidence that financial well-being and mental health are connected. The report also outlines opportunities for all of us to build our knowledge of financial management to support our financial well-being. 
And when doing this, those who support our financial well-being consider the whole person, taking into account the cognitive, emotional and behavioural impacts of financial and mental health. And the challenges and encouragement that we might need to develop resilient behaviours in the face of unexpected life and community events. So there's some really, I think, deep and important information in, in there. But Ben, what do you think are some of those important components from that report that we all read from Beyond Blue? And what do you reckon some of those resilient financial behaviours are? Yeah, yeah. So it was... Um... Yeah, it was quite a sort of, it was nothing that wasn't expected, but it was quite uh, eye-opening, the, the report with ASIC, who's sort of the Australia's sort of financial regulator and, and Beyond Blue. And we sort of saw a lot of, we, we sort of see it on the daily, you know, people coming in, they're sort of they're stressed um, and overwhelmed with managing their bills, their sort of loan repayments, now with the costs of, of living these days, which has just gone through the roof. You then add on other things like, you know, funding kids' education and looking at the, the longer term around, you know, when will I be able to retire? Will I ever be able to retire? How much am I going to be able to live off? You know, it is quite overwhelming. You've also got the fact that most people are constantly comparing themselves to sort of their friends, colleagues and family. Um, and they obviously, you know, you obviously think, oh, well, they're doing really well. You know, what am I doing that, that uh, you know, isn't working as well? But they're obviously, when you sort of, you open up the bonnet and you look a bit deeper, you know, people are, are all dealing with the same issues. And that just then, um, obviously, without knowing that, it just sort of further reinforces those sort of negative mental health emotions around stress, anxiety, helplessness. Uh, and people often then just, we find that they just sort of stick their heads in the sand. They don't address the problems um, to begin with. And then they make further sort of poor decisions around, around money, which then sort of only compounds their issues. Some of the, the sort of the case statistics that I took out of that report were people experiencing financial challenges are twice as likely to experience mental health challenges and vice versa. Uh, and in particular, women and young adult women are significantly more likely to experience financial hardships and mental health symptoms likely as a result of those financial hardships uh, when compared to men. Um, there was one sort of quote that really stood out to me and it just said, when I'm in big debt, I can't sleep at night. I worry all the time to a point where I have chest pain and difficulty breathing. I stress a lot. And that was going on for months and months, especially last year. I haven't functioned sometimes at work uh, when I haven't slept all night. And that's a big impact on my mental health. But I guess we can all sort of relate to, to this, right? So most of us would have gone through times of financial struggle, uh, whether it was sort of periods where you're living sort of paycheck to paycheck, not being able to do the things that you sort of wanted to do with friends and family because, because money, like, you just didn't have the money at the time um, or even, you know, really struggling to, to afford all the bills and repay, repay loans on time. And, and that's why so sort of financial education and staying on top of your money is so important. So, yeah, really knowing, you know, your current position, what's coming in every fortnight from an income perspective, what's going out and making sure that you're keeping on top of everything. Otherwise, it can lead to sort of, you know, that stress, anxiety and helplessness sort of mentioned throughout the report. Yeah, they're really good points. And I think it's a really timely reminder for people to 
if they're finding themselves in financial difficulty or stressed by their finances, to reach out for support earlier rather than later. Because I've found over the years what people can do is stick their head in the sand and hope the problem goes away. But, of course, what we know is the problem often gets worse. So um, if somebody finds themselves in a difficult financial situation, what do you reckon the first steps that they should take are? I think there's, I mean, we do a lot of work around this and there's a lot of noise and a lot of information around all these things that you should be doing. And social media is a good one for this about showing, everyone's showing about all the good things that people are doing. They're investing in Bitcoin or cryptocurrencies or buying investment properties or having lavish lifestyles. And I think that adds to the stress and the anxiety of people's lives and their financial situation because that's where everyone's comparing to everyone's having a great life and I'm struggling really with my own financial situation, like I'm doing something wrong. And I think social media is here to blame in those kind of things because that information is a bit deceiving because really if you, like Ben was saying a bit earlier, if you look under the bonnet there, those are really not a true reflection of what's going on and it adds to that mental health of when you're comparing someone's situation and you're trying to keep up with something that's sort of um, sort of a, a movie-like scenario and comparing to real day-to-day to life, of course you're going to fall into that trap. So what we try and focus on is come back to fundamentals and some educations and basics around your money management, getting educated. So we have a few steps. So first steps is really starting to, we call it knowing your why and getting a real understanding of what you truly value and what's important to you. And this is for you personally, not what your friends are doing, not what you've been told to by parents or growing up and what you should be doing, but really what you value. So what kind of lifestyle you want, what the things you enjoy doing. So if that's spending time with your your kids and your family or living in a certain area or spending your money on certain things and and the values that are important to you. And, and a big part of that, if you've got a partner, sharing that with your partner and, and making those decisions together. So step one is, is identifying your why and your values. Step two is knowing your numbers. Um, big part of that. A lot of people skip over this and, and sort of jump to things like, oh, I'm going to buy an investment property or I'm going to start investing or doing all these other things or, go, or buying these big cars or houses without really knowing if they can afford that. So going back to basics is knowing how much you earn and how much money comes in fortnightly, weekly or or even per year compared to what's going out. And then then back to the simple equation, spend less than you, um, so spend less than you earn is you need to know what's going out and what's coming in and knowing those numbers um, around those kind of things. Also, around your debt, how much, what, what's your assets? What do you have in savings? What do you have in super? What do you have in debts? What's your home loan balance at? Do you have any credit card debts, personal loans? Instead of putting your head in the sand and saying, yes, I know I should deal with that one day, but really having a deep dive and, and looking into that. So that's number two on the list. Number three, we sort of work towards is paying attention to your finances. So really looking at sort of what's going on once you understand 
your values and where you're at personally is then starting to pay attention and, and things that we we work with and, and, and Sophie might talk to them a bit later is around having a plan. So in your situation, you might be looking at salary packaging. There's options in there you could take advantage of and that might save you three grand a year in taxes. Or if you review your interest rate on your home loan and you might be paying extra to your your bank and if you go negotiate a better rate or refinance somewhere else and save one percent on your home loan that might be four grand a year in interest that you save so straight away there's seven thousand dollars in your cash flow that you can now be putting towards that why that you identified and then when you start working on these fundamentals and you build that year after year and you build these habits then you start working towards all these things that are working towards this life that is built towards you and what's important to you, your why. And it's designed around you and it's not designed around everything that's presented in that's coming through social media and things like that. Thanks, Steve. That's really helpful. Our listeners love tips and strategies, so they're really going to be well-received. In there, I really connected with the value of budgeting. And I think maybe it's kind of a bit of a, a diminished fall, you know, a, a tool in life that, that people actually budget. What would you say about budgeting in relation to financial wellbeing? I think budgeting is a tool that does work in some respects, but it's not the be-all and end-all. Um, and that might be a bit controversial from a um, financial services company. I think having a budget is good to know where you're at. But moving forward, having a good cash flow system or good habits around your money is the most important thing. Yes, a budget helps you create that system, but a budget is only a piece of paper for you to um, say, look, this is what I should stick to. In reality, the budget may not work at the end of the day. It's the cash flow system of you allocating money and directing directing that towards a certain thing. So, for example, if money comes in a fortnight and you allocate that money, so yes, a portion of that goes to pay your mortgage, then a portion goes to pay your bills, a portion goes to having a bit of fun, a bit of savings for your holidays, and you're doing that on a regular basis, then that system or that cash flow system is more important and the habit of doing that on a fortnightly basis is going to become automatic and it's going to build and compound over time and that we see far better results out of having an allocation system, which is based like you, you can say it's almost like budgeting, but it's it's an automation kind of thing rather than you having to go, oh, look at your transaction and analyse that and say, oh, hang on, I budgeted $500 towards dining out or oh, hang on. And then you go, oh, actually, we spent $650. And then you sort of go and give you, um, you beat yourself up because you overspent. And it's a real negative connotation. And it doesn't help towards mental health in, in that regard because you're always comparing to something. And, and we're, we're human at the end of the day. We're, and if we're going to overspend on a budget, we're going to beat ourselves up about it. And guess what? That budget is only going to last for a week or two and then you're going to give up on it because it doesn't work. And, and honestly, through the experiences that we've had, budgets don't work in that respect, need a bit more than that. And that's why a good cash flow system with some good habits around that it's far more, more important than having those in place. And, and we do a lot of work and have a lot more success around a good cash flow system. 
So, I mean, there's a lot of controversy around budgets, but, yeah, honestly, by themselves, I don't believe they work. Oh, that's really interesting. Are there any, I guess, a big part of this is monitoring your finances and your financial well-being. Are there any, like, tools or databases or apps that, you know, you've come across that can help people do this? Yeah, so it's funny that you asked that. A lot of, um, there, there were, there were, so there were some like Pocketbook and Money Brilliant, but they've actually just shut up shop. So I, I don't know why, but we use a professional sort of software that obviously we need to, we, we pay for to, to do that, which sort of data scrapes your spending and, and allocates it into, okay, we're able to sit down and look at what you've spent in each area. So bills, you know, discretionary, loan repayments, holidays over a 12-month period. And why that's sort of helpful is because it gives us a snapshot of this is the lifestyle that you've been living and it gives us that basis to, to set up the cash flow system moving forward because if we just sort of, I guess, like, you know, guess the numbers and go, okay, we're... Uh, we're going to do this, you know, we're going to set, set up this cash flow system and it's 50% less than what you've been spending in the past 12 months, it's not going to work, right, because you're used to a, a certain lifestyle and cutting that in half is, is simply just, just not going to work. So we use, yeah, a, a software and that just gives us a basis for your past 12 months worth of spending and then we use that as, I guess, the initial data to set up the cash flow plan and it may be about trying to, you know, shave off 10 or 20%, but we don't want to be the spending police. We don't want to be eating too much into your, to your lifestyle because simply, you know, it's not going to work. But then we're also able to show you, okay, well, if you continue to spend in a similar way, this is the impact that it's going to have on achieving your goals. And once you're sort of more clear in that and you can, and you can see that, you're going to be more inclined to actually stick to those allocations of, you know, fund money because, you know, if I go and eat into another account, let's say my bills account or something, then, um, you know, you're robbing one bank to pay another and it's just going to push you out in terms of time frame on meeting those goals. And it's a really sort of clear, I guess, trade-off. Okay, if I spend more now, it's going to be longer before I can, you know, upgrade the primary, my, my house which is really important to us because we want more space for the kids to run around or something like that. And that then helps people, uh, you know, keep more accountable to that spending plan. And this, and, and to, further to Ben's point then, back on my point, our, our first step back in this was all about knowing your why. And this is where the focus comes in. And once you identify your why, and, and let's say it was like saving for a new home because you needed a bigger home for the kids so you could have a backyard for they rent, so you could run around in. And so when we set up a cash flow system and we work out, all right, now we're allocating money for that deposit for the new home and you're saving towards that. When you go and put money and, and you're putting less money towards that, that deposit, and you go, all right, I want to spend a bit more money this week on going out, dining or some takeaway and stuff like that. You make an active decision there. So you go, all right, I can put that money towards that deposit for that house, which is a goal of mine, or I can put less money towards that and put it towards that experience that this week of dining out. And you've got that active decision and you'll go, oh, actually, no, more importantly, my why is having a house, so I'm not going to spend it on that takeaway this week. I'm going to put that extra money 
towards that house because that's my important thing to me, that's my why, and that's a priority for me. And it's an active decision and it's an easier decision to make rather than going, oh, I shouldn't spend money on going out and, and cutting back and sort of telling yourself, oh, I spend too much. It's an easy decision, mate, because you've already identified your why and then you said, oh, that's important to me. And it's easy to allocate money towards things that are important to you rather than someone go, oh, don't spend money on going out. So it, it's a bigger part of the process, but it's all about identifying what's important to you and your values and then setting up a system that's automated to deliver on that uh, moving forward. So it seems to me a big component of this is in the why is setting your financial goals, having a long-term vision, I guess, for where you want to get to. And I'm sure in the process of you working with people, Ben and Steve, you are not taking control of their finances, but you're partnering with them to empower them with tools and information and support to assist them to meet their goals. Would that be a correct summation of like what somebody would expect if they came to get support from you? Yeah, yeah, 100%. At the end of the day, you know, we're just here to, yeah, number one, educate. So that's that's part of our sort of company's um, uh, ethos is really about, you know, upskilling your financial literacy so um, you can also be involved and give us valid feedback along the way because we're not always going to, you know, mind read and really understand what's, it, you know, exactly what you want all of the time. So if we're able to really give you those tools and that education so that you can make an informed decision, you know, it's going to be beneficial for us as well because you're going to you're going to have a better outcome. And at the end of the day, it's your money. You know, we're just here to guide, advise and educate you um, around how to best uh, to utilise it, really. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, like everyone's situation and their goals and their motives and their why is different. Yeah. Um, and yeah. us, uh, Ben and I, in our, in, in our business, like we're the technicians and we can tell you the numbers and everything like that and we can give you the strategies behind that. But at the end of the day, we can't tell you what you want and your why. Um, so we want to educate you and help you be the pilot of your ship so you can be in control and make the decisions and make the informed decisions and use us to help you make the, the right decisions. But ultimately, you're in control making those decisions. So, I mean, I think the best part of what we're trying to deliver is the education and the understanding of your finances so you're empowered to make those decisions. And, yes, you're still going to have professionals. You're still going to have a financial advisor. You're still going to have an account. You're still going to have a mortgage broker. But you're not going to them and just getting directive orders and them telling you what to do. You're going to them and saying, hey, these are my goals. This is what I want to achieve. Can you execute that for me? And you're using those professions to execute that for you, but you're the person in control and making those decisions because you're ultimately the one who knows the best thing for your decision, uh, for your situation and your life. And so we want to empower you, upskill you and educate you in that process and then also help you deliver on that and be those professionals for you or use the people around you um, that you already have connections with. 
Yeah, that's great. And I think it's really refreshing because historically I think there was a sense that, you know, financial companies were kind of taking over people's, you know, financial health and people weren't as um, educated or knowledgeable as perhaps um, it would have been in their best interest to have been. So I think this is a great philosophy and one that I think will really connect with our listeners. Sophie, you sought financial advice from Ben and Steve at Wealth Health Co. What motivated you to do this? Like, what was your why? Well, my big why was probably going back and doing some more study. Um, I had been nursing a few years and had sort of levelled up and was earning a good wage. And I really wanted to go back to uni and do my midwifery training, which I'd been wanting to do since I started my career, but I was really worried about how I'd be able to afford to do that because I was going to basically take a huge pay cut by going from sort of a level two nurse wage back right back down to a very junior wage back back to the start pretty much. And that really worried me. Um, like by the time I went and started back at uni, I had a mortgage, I had loans, I had all these responsibilities. And I, I didn't want to fall behind in all of these, but I still wanted to make sure that I did the midwifery training. Otherwise, I knew I'd regret it. And I'm, I'm glad I did because I love my job. And I think as well, just as nurses and midwives, we don't really think about money and finances very much. I was definitely very much like that. I would probably call myself someone who's a little bit financially illiterate um, a few years ago. Like I just, you know, people would talk about money and finances, tax, interest rates, all these things. And it sounded like a foreign language to me pretty much. And I had no idea, you know, what everyone was talking about and wondering if I should be doing these things as well. And I sort of tried to learn myself. Like I read some books and things like that, but I always felt like I was just barely keeping my head above water and I, that awful feeling when you're kind of living like paycheck to paycheck and you kind of get your pay, you pay your bills and then it's all gone and you have nothing left to, you know, enjoy life and have that work-life balance, treat yourself, that kind of thing. And so I kind of sat down one day and tried to work it out myself and mapped out some sort of plan, but I still felt like I was maybe missing something and was sort of just barely going to be making it by with all my calculations and things. So I went and saw Ben and Steve, you know, after talking to a colleague about how I didn't understand finances and things and, that you know, they'd clearly worked with nurses and midwives before because they knew, they knew all the ins and outs of... Um, you know, even our, our levels and increments of pay and how our penalties work and that kind of thing, which is so refreshing and easy because so many times in the past when, I, when I've gone to apply for loans or get financial approval for things and you're trying to explain to a bank that your pay varies fortnight to fortnight, sometimes by hundreds of thousand dollars, you know, depending on what shifts you're working and things like that. And they kind of knew all of that and were able to help me still map out a good plan, no matter, you know, what my income would be that fortnight. And, you know, with their help, I was able to sort of, was sort of able to sit down and map out a plan, set some sort of small achievable goals to make sure I stayed on top of things and stayed on top of all my bills and, and 
things so that I could focus on study and not be worried and stressed out every night and not being able to sleep because, you know, I was behind on bills or couldn't afford to go out and, you know, see family, see friends, do do some nice things to de-stress from studying and was able to stay on top of things without having to pick up extra work and, and things like what some of my my colleagues and fellow student friends did. They would pick up crazy hours and do extra shifts and double shifts, things like that, just to, to stay on top of their bills. And I didn't really have to do any of that because we were able to map out a really achievable plan and save heaps of money on even just, you know, evaluating our my home loan and my my car and and things like that. Something as simple as just changing all my loans over to get a better interest rate. Such a simple fix and it saved me thousands, I think about $4,000 a year just in, in interest rates. And they knew as well even just special deals and tips and tricks that health professionals could access to save money and get discounts or cash back, which I could then put back into my savings and or to do something fun. And, yeah, and then kind of breezed through my studies and came out still um, on top of things without any debt that had built built up while I was back at uni. Thanks, Sophie. It must have been empowering not to have to worry or think too much about your finances while you were studying because you had a plan in place and you had the support and guidance of experts. Yeah, very empowering, especially even just the way that they educated me in the whole process. When I came to see them, I kind of thought I'd learned a few little things along the way, but I still didn't really fully get it until I kind of sat down with them and they kind of taught me so much about it and I'm so much more knowledgeable now because of it and would pay things off and, you know, all of my bills and payments for things, they're all automated. So I don't really have to stress about anything. And it builds your confidence as well, you know, by being on top of things financially and and even just knowing, you know, some of these tips that I can share with my colleagues as well. Yeah, it feels good. And it feels good to not have that buildup of financial stress when we've already got enough stress to deal with with our job. Yeah, absolutely. It seems to me a big part of this is education, as you've all outlined, but also adaptation, that life doesn't just go along on the same trajectory all of the time. And so I think what I'm getting out of this is as our life situation changes or you know, the curveball hits us in life and serves up a financial blow, we need to be adapting fairly rapidly. How would you say you can support people to adapt in relation to their financial health and wellbeing, Ben and Steve? I think having a good, like, having a good baseline and having some control, like, and it's where you're coming from, so having a good level, like, if you're stressed, and you're not on top of your finances and then you're hit by another blow or a change in your circumstances, then you're not equipped to to deal with that. But if you've got a good foundation and you're on top of that and then something comes along, you're more equipped to deal with that mentally. So I think the biggest, the first step is, yeah, being in the good mindset and the mental mental state to deal with that. So that's the first step. 
from a numbers or financial point of view, we have emergency account and buffers. We always start with one of those. It's an important part of anything because, yes, life deals up all certain types of cards, whether it be a car breaking down, illness, uh, injury, death in the family, or whatever it be. Kids need some certain expense that comes up. There's all these things that come up that money sort of is needed for something. So there's reasons for money that's needed and money helps facilitate that. So from a, from a numbers point of view, emergency accounts are important and building buffers over time. So being on top of debt, having cash reserves are very important. But I think the back, back on the sort of topic we hit on at the start is being in that good state of mind, having good mental health from a financial point of view and having those having a good mental state is really going to help you combat those little things that come to you because they will come. Life, that's the life we live in, especially today with lots going on. We just went through COVID. That was hectic for everyone. And I'm sure like we've got wars um, with you, Ukraine and Russia that we went through. There's going to be more things. All these things that impact us. We've got inflation. We've got interest rates now, that pressure that's coming. But there's going to be more and more. And, and you look back in history, it's constant all the time. So I think look at your, you've got to look to your own household and if you get that in order and you've got a good foundation and you can put that in place, then you can deal with those external factors a lot easier. But if you, can, if you don't have somewhere safe and somewhere comfortable in your own house, household, it makes it a lot harder to deal with those external ones as well. Just further to that, Mark, I was listening to one of your episodes about uh, career progression and was it, is it, Karen or one of your staff members, she hurt her foot um, in Thailand and wasn't able to continue. Oh, uh, yes, Helen. Helen, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so also knowing about things like income protection, things like that, that you may already have within your super fund. So, and, and just being aware of that because, yeah, well, I've seen it a number of times where people have been out of work to do you know, not being able to work because of an injury or something. And they've, they've really struggled. Um, they've sometimes had to change occupation. But there may be some sort of, you know, income protection within your super fund that they could have claimed on at the time, which would have made things a lot easier. And I know, you know, Hester is the, the major super fund. Uh, it was the default fund for uh, nurses and midwives. And, you know, a thousand that they've got, you know, a default level of income protection. So just, again, that's sort of paying attention to your finances and knowing those things, um, we, yeah, which would help as well. Yeah, it's a good point, I think, that we, we remember that our finances is not only our individual plan and our, you know, salary and wages every fortnight or month or whenever we get paid, but there's also, you know, our super, which is, you know, long-term financial security for a lot of people and the, the family home for many people if they're lucky enough indeed to have been able to, to purchase a property and be working towards paying it off. So I think that, you know, really giving due consideration to, you know, all these key elements that contribute to our financial health and well-being because there's um, a lot of information now about the group that is most impacted by homelessness and it's older women and I think a lot of those people would not have thought at a certain point in their life they would end up in financial dire straits or homeless and I think you know we need to be mindful that people's 
financial security and their housing security can change very rapidly. And I think that really goes to the issue of not taking your eye off the ball with your finances, but also being mindful of some of the risks in relation to your financial well-being. And I think it's really important to not completely give over your financial well-being to another person. What would you say in relation to that? Yeah, yeah, it's, um, we, yeah, we often see that, that generally, you know, we get families coming, you know, to see us and there's generally, you know, one individual out of the relationship who tends to, to deal with the finances. We, we refer to them as the, sort of the chief financial spouse and having this system is fine because, you know, one partner is, is generally more interested. Um, they probably have a higher financial literacy, so it sort of makes sense. But what we want to make sure is just that, you know, the other spouse still has a good understanding and overview of everything. There was, because, it, yeah, as you mentioned, it can go, you know, if the relationship does end or if you're not on top of it, it, it can go really bad. I had a, yeah, I had a, a client situation a few years ago where the the wife was the major income earner. Um, they're in their late 50s. Uh, the husband was looking, the one that looked after the finances and she was, you know, really busy, you know, head down, bum up, earning a, a big wage. And she thought that she was two to three years away from, from retirement and he'd sort of, yeah, yeah, we're on track. We're, we're all, you know, we should be, be doing that. And then she found a, a loan, like a, another a, another loan that she didn't, didn't know about um, and it was, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars and it, and it turned out that he'd been, accessing this to to keep up their lifestyle and you know she thought what they were spending was fine it was it turned out to be you know it wasn't just his fault because she was sort of living the life and thought that everything was fine he was trying to keep up with the joneses and make sure it was all good but it turned out that they were spending a lot more than they were earning and they ended up drawing back out on the house um she found it and that was their sort of catalyst uh to seek financial advice and it was almost you know it was a there was there's lots of a lot of work to do both financially but also in the relationship because she um sort of felt a bit betrayed and you know now she was going to have to work a lot longer than she was mentally prepared for um and she found it really hard to um get over like it was a lot of our sessions were more financial uh, sort of counseling than, than financial planning um in the end so yeah if, if she had been a bit more i guess um involved or and had a bit more of an overview of, the, of their situation it, it probably wouldn't have got to that point yeah so a key take home don't take your eye off your financial ball and stay connected stay involved stay interested and be an equal partner in all things um financial matters uh, sophie as an outcome of your financial well-being journey what advice would you give to students and early career nurses and midwives in relation to their financial well-being? My biggest bit of advice would just be, you know, show an interest in it and learn about what your options are for, you know, loans, interest rates, even salary packaging, um, things like that. And I used to think that seeing a financial advisor was something that wealthy people did. I didn't think it was, you know, something, you know, a young woman on a sort of average wage would would need to do, but it was great help and it would it kind of gave me that financial freedom to be able to 
focus on my job and have the comfort of having all of my finances sorted so that I could just focus on work and not have that, you know, financial strain weighing down on me. And it makes a huge difference to our day-to-day lives and careers. A lot of times, yeah, I've seen colleagues and friends sort of picking up, you know, staying for a double shift or picking up extra shifts on, on days that they should have been having a day off, missing social events, things like that, just to, you know, pay pay something off or save up for a holiday or, you know, think, yeah, just treat themselves. and um, But then they just burn out because they're doing crazy hours and just not looking after themselves and prioritising work purely because they just didn't understand how they could sort of alter their, their cash flow and things. Um, and it, sitting down with a professional just makes a huge difference to me, pays for itself as well. It's just like the advice you get can save you thousands. Um, and I think sometimes we worry that it might be too expensive to go seek advice and that kind of thing, but it's really, really worth it when it, you know, can impact your health and your mental health so significantly. Um, and, yeah, you're never too young to start. That's probably my other big tip. I think, yeah, we think that dealing with wealth and money and finances is something that comes later in life or when we have families and kids and things to worry about. But it should also be important, you know, for us in our 20s as well to be able to maximise our our earnings. We work really hard for our money. So to see it slip through our fingers is a real shame. Yeah, so getting getting the good advice can be life-changing. So get interested, stay involved and seek advice. So if I was a nurse or a midwife looking for financial advice, how would I go about that? And if I wanted to get in touch with you, Ben and Steve, through Wealth Health Co., how would I do that? Yeah, probably just uh, head to our website, which is www.wealthhealthco.com.au. Have a look around there, get a feel for sort of what we're all about if you haven't already throughout this podcast. Um, And then there's a a reach out button on the contact us page. You know, we would then just sort of give you an introductory call uh, and book in a a discovery meeting from there. So that's at no cost or, or no obligation or anything. It just sort of allows us to run through a bit more about how we work, the process from start to finish, and then um, really, you know, educate you from from a high level to begin with so that you can make an educated decision around whether proceeding with the financial planning or or, or mortgage advice moving forward is beneficial for you or not. And if it's not, that's fine. And you can always come back later. And we have an audience all over Australia. So I assume you don't have to be in Perth to access your services. We deal with clients all over Australia. So we do a lot of work over Zoom and do online meetings, which is our preferred method anyway. But we we do have the office in uh, Perth. Um, So if you're local or if you want to fly over and and meet us face-to-face, we're always open to that. Um, But, yeah, definitely Zoom meetings and and dealing all over Australia, uh, that's possible. Great. So I'll put the link to your website on the show notes um, that will go with this podcast, including the Beyond Blue report on money and mental health. And are there any other resources that you could recommend, Ben and Steve, that could be useful for people? I know um, ASIC have some great financial resources. 
It's the Money Smart website. Um, I know they've got a lot of useful um, Money Smart tips and, and resources on there. A bit of navigating through those, but there's some calculators to, to work through. I find those helpful um, that you can refer to, um, that you can have a look at. Yeah, other one, there are other sort of, they're like specifically finance-related podcasts out there. So, you know, they're always a good source of information, just depending on what what area. Some of them are, you know, specifically targeted at, at investing, you know, others in other areas. So I guess it's just depending on what, what you're after. Um, but as sort of Steve mentioned earlier, we think focusing on the foundations uh, to begin with is the first step before you get to the, the flashy lights and, you know, the, the crypto, the investment property, that type of thing. So I think the big take home here, listeners, is that if you're worried about your finances, maybe you want to start by getting in touch with nurse and midwife support to talk about how you're feeling. We're available to support you in relation to any issue that you might need support for. 1-800-667-877 or contact us via the website nmsupport.org.au where you'll be able to find the show notes and podcasts link to other useful podcasts. So as we come to the end of the podcast, I'd like to give a big thank you to our guests, Ben, Steve and Sophie today, and just ask you, the three of you, if you have any final words of financial health and wellbeing wisdom for our listeners. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think well, let's come through the through the podcast today it's just been be don't stick your head in the sand you know really try and pay attention to your finances and if you think that you're not in the position to maximize that or or, you know you're you're not you're not educated enough then seek that education or professional advice uh, because uh, it will have a you know everyone has to deal with their finances right it's not just certain people everyone's got finances so you know the more that you're going to pay attention to it educate yourself the better the better your um you know your life's going to be so yeah just really pay attention to it don't stick your head in the sand is what i'd say yeah i definitely agree just yeah every every little bit that you do just one step at a time just bit of education and keep adding to that over time and that'll build for you and it'll get better uh, and it will grow and you'll find that you'll get an understanding and you'll be very comfortable and start prospering with your, your finances and money and that will lead into living a rich life. Um, and I guess my take home would be just a reminder that I guess nurses and midwives, we sometimes don't always take the best care of ourselves because we care about our, our patients so much. And, you know, this comes down to those self-care things that we need to put in place and look after ourselves a bit better and, uh, and look after our mental health and easing up financial strain and, and the stress that it causes can just lift such a huge weight off your shoulders. So getting, getting professional help with it can make a huge difference to you and then you can, you know, serve your patients and yourself a lot better. A great advice and I think a really good reminder, Sophie, that financial health and well-being is really a pillar to good health and well-being. So fantastic take-home. I'd like to thank you all for being great guests and for being on the Your Health Matters podcast today and for the really rich conversation and important information that you provided to our listeners on their financial health and well-being. So 
Look after yourselves and each other, everybody. Remember, your health matters and your financial health certainly matters. And um, I'll speak to you next time. Thanks for having us, Mark. Thank you. Thanks.